Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 21st, 2011. It's always newcomers coming in, so I advise them to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com where you can get a crash course in how this world is really run, uh, the institutions, organizations, foundations that are all interlinked together, that run the world well, well above governments. They put governments in, in fact, and how they got to be where they are and where they're going with it all and what their whole objective is. And it's, it's not really that complicated. Big money runs the whole show. A lot of it is yours, of course, with taxes. That's really your, your job. You're farmed like vegetables and taxed. And uh, you pay for it all, really. And uh, some of the big foundations match their tax write-offs with uh, your tax dollar to make sure that you're ruled in the proper way and that the whole of society is steered in the proper direction. And that's the way it's always really been. So democracy is a farce, of course, we all know that. Even politicians technically are a farce. They're a front uh, for these big boys above them who put them in power, uh, tell them what their jobs are going to be, and that they better do it. And, of course, they're all pre-picked and selected long before the public get a chance to see their lovely faces on television to vote for. So uh, that's really how the world is run. And people, people in the know have written books about it. People who belong to the main organizations, like Professor Carl Quigley, have actually written about it, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which runs the British side and also runs the whole of Europe now, by the way, because they've got a council for Europe there. And they also run the U.S. side. Uh, via the, the Council on Foreign Relations. Canada and Australia, New Zealand, all the old British Empire countries all have their departments which put their particular governments in power. So whatever you jeer at whatever government is put in power, get off the left wing and right wing uh, nonsense and realize this is what the big boys want right now. Not you. And it's never been you. So help yourself to the audio, so there's hundreds to choose from, and hopefully you get shortcuts to understanding this system. You can order the books and discs I have for sale. That will keep me going, hopefully. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is the suicidal way. I don't bring on advertising or advertisers as guests or specialists, as they call themselves. And they generally sell you whatever they're selling at the end of their hour. But... Uh, and that's okay for those who do. I don't have a family to feed. It's bad enough trying to feed myself. But anyway, I'm doing the suicidal way. I depend upon you to buy the books and discs and uh, to support me through purchases. From the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase. Go into the com site and you can purchase with a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office or PayPal. Use the PayPal donation button you'll see on the com site and follow it with an email with name, address and order. And I'll get it out to you in straight cash to... Uh, is okay. And remember, straight donations also are very welcome in these so-called austere times, which is hyperinflation. And across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union to order with, or MoneyGram, or PayPal again. Same idea. And straight donations, once again, are certainly welcome. Because we are going through fantastic changes. 
Fantastic changes. I remember Kissinger many years ago talking about this coming change for this part, this part of this new world order. It's been in existence for quite some time, but it's all in stages. And he, he likened it to uh, the uprooting of the, the, all of the peasantry of Europe into the industrial era by pushing them off the land and forcing them off the land, taxing them off the land into these new uh, brick cities, basically, which would be the manufacturing industrial centers for quite some time. And even at that time, you know, when they, they did all that and set up the manufacturing, they knew even then, they wrote books about it. Economists at the time uh, said how long it would probably last and then of the fallout of having all these people stuffed together in these cities and what they'd have to do with them. Nothing. Ha- we're, we're living through a script written a long time ago, and all the fallout is part of it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and we know that the system that we're in now actually is really run by multinational corporations and specialty organizations and that was always the plan as they talked about public-private ownership. In other words, the public pay for everything and they pay for the building of everything and then they hand it over for peanuts to their big buddies uh, for and the... Uh, they use your tax money to keep maintaining whatever it is, roads, whatever, and uh, they take all the profits away. And that's all they do is just take profits. And it's quite a nice deal for public-private partnerships. But we know it's gone a lot further than that because... Um, and remember, too, Carl Quigley, who also was a historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, said that uh, eventually um, these CEOs of the corporations will be the new feudal overlords. And that's what you're in. It's a form of feudalism. Uh, chunks of countries are being sold off right now under the, under the different guises, but it's really feudalism. Even China is moving in big time, taking chunks of the U.S. and bringing in the Chinese to, to run it, of course. And uh, and same thing in England, too. Parts are being sold off to international corporations, especially around the seaside where their docks are, things like that. And basically that's their territory now. And eventually that will be the end of nations, as there will be no nations eventually. <laughs> They'll all be sold off in chunks. You'll have a few city-states around the world, as Jack Zatali said, and that's the idea. High-tech city-states without all of you in them. <laughs> I hope you realize that. Anyway, one of these big companies that's got all the deals who are into uh, observation of the societies through uh, technology, spying in other words, is Lockheed Martin. And, of course, they are part of the big military-industrial complex. Always have been for, well, at least before World War II. And they are getting massive contracts from governments as they take over even the nuclear bomb bases. And this one is from Scotland. Anger as U.S. arms dealer takes over the running of Scottish nuclear bomb base. And this is from the Scottish Herald. It says, the running of Britain's nuclear bomb base at Coolport and the Clyde is to be handed over to a consortium of multinational private firms led by the controversial U.S. arms dealer Lockheed Martin, the Sunday Herald can reveal. Defence ministers at Westminster have decided that the highly sensitive job of managing more than 200 Trident nuclear warheads and arming the Royal Navy submarines with them should be taken over by the group of companies within the next year. 
decision has been condemned by the Scottish National Party, trades unions and disarmament campaigners who are demanding an urgent rethink. They describe it as a cost-saving, job-cutting, kicking the teeth to the workforce that will put nuclear safety at risk. Up to 200 culprit workers have been told that they will be seconded from the Ministry of Defence to a newly formed private sector consortium called ABL, 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 I do believe, because we find no trace of them. ABL brings together all, they love all these little things, AWE, which runs the Aldermaston Nuclear Weapons Factory in Berkshire, Babcock, the British engineering company, and US-owned Lockheed Martin Strategic Systems, UK, or is itself a consortium involving Lockheed Martin, another big U.S. firm, Jacobs Engineering, and the U.K. management privatization company, Serco. According to the minister, the MOD's uh, detailed internal plan leaked to the Sunday Herald, a- ABL will be granted to contract to run Coalport for at least 15 years. They'll probably renew it after that if there's anything left of the planet, or anything left of Britain for that matter. But there you are. You see, big corporations, CEOs will be more powerful than uh, presidents and prime ministers, because really, they're all, these guys are running shows all over the planets. And the guy, the CEO of, of Lockheed Martin certainly will be. And they're also, of course, uh, responsible for so much of your CCTV TV cameras all over the place and making massive contracts on the fear industry called terrorism. And then you go into this one here. And so the rational argument, Lockheed Martin in the Canadian census, I mentioned that the last time too, these are the guys who also get the Canadian census. So the guys who are spying on you, collecting all the data, running atomic warfare plans and all the rest of it, and bases, are also the guys to do your census. This is Lockheed Martin was awarded census contracts by 2003 for the 2006 census. Thousands of people protested then, more protesting in 2006 during the census. And Lockheed Martin was now awarded contracts for the May 2011 census. It's foolhardy to support the involvement of Lockheed Martin in the census through silence or inaction. There's an informative short interview with William Herting, author of Prophets of War, Lockheed Martin, the making of the military-industrial complex. And it gives you the link there for that. And I'll put this link up tonight, and actually the page I've just read, and and you can link off it to these other ones too. It says, I cannot explain Lockheed Martin better than William Hartung, except that in the short time he can't address the weapons he manufactures, which are in contravention of international and Canadian laws. The rule at Guantanamo, Abu Ghraib, etc. Other postings in the blog can provide some of that elaboration. So here's guys who are involved in torture prison camps and all the rest of it across the world and selling weapons to potential foes down the road. That's how they get wars going. They sell them in advance and then they go to war with them. And um, and here they are running uh, so much of things, including your census, getting all the data, your personal data on you, your family, and all the little things about you that they ask you nowadays. So uh, that's the world you're in, where CEOs really are the new corp- feudal overlords. It's already here, and this is just one organization. And uh, then this one goes back a few years, 2001, Lockheed Martin radar and display air traffic system begins operations in Presswick, Scotland, and it's advanced from from there. They want to take over the whole of the UK's national air traffic services. I'll put that link up as well. So they're into all of these things. No doubt when they put the barbed wire around your little area that you can't move out of in communitarianism, uh, they'll be in charge of electrifying the fences too and putting the landmines in that will blow you up. And, and you think I'm kidding. I'm sure. So, 
there's, there's a, a good example of the, the new feudal corporate overlords. I've mentioned uh, Rollerball before. It was quite an interesting uh, movie done many years ago. And the whole idea of the movie was that the corporations ruled the world. By then, they had their corporate wars, where they actually took what used to be continents to wars with each other because they owned the continents by then. And uh, the top ones came out. And eventually, they wanted to, even through game shows, uh, show and teach the public uh, that team work was the only way to go and therefore individual uh, athletes were were told to basically throw the game uh, to show that teamwork was the best way to go. Well, we're seeing, though. But, uh, and that's, that's another, another link, too, to the, the corporate-controlled nukes. I'll put that up, too, from another site. So, so many articles, actually, it's just astonishing how things are going. Now, there's one, two on your food. Your food is weaponized. I've mentioned that years ago. All your food is weaponized. You have two-tier food today. Actually, it's three-tier food, but it's two-tier for most folk. And you have the, the rubbish you eat at the supermarkets, which are all generally modified vegetables, soaked in heaviest pesticides, and they also are, are GM-modified to produce their own uh, pesticides as well. So you're making, you're making sure you get healthy doses, healthy for killing you off, that is. Of, of poisons, and that is the plan. That that is the plan discussed at high levels many years ago. How would you bring the public down? I've read them here on the air from some of the biggest players. You either use their food, their water. You can inject them with inoculations, vaccines. It's very simple, and you think they're not doing it. Of course they're doing it. They have taken these things very seriously, and they don't wait for volunteers. We have all the top big ones now at the United Nations coming out openly and all their associates coming out openly saying there's too many people, too many people. We've got to have rapid depopulation. But anyway, most folk will never bring themselves to believe that people will actually do that to them. Just like the folks who are getting bombed in Libya, huddling in their homes. Uh, I'm sure before all this happened, we never think that the people from America or Britain or, so, or France would do that to them. That's how it is. That's the real world. Anyway, gen- genetically engineered rice is a Trojan horse, misled by Bill Gates and Monsanto. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has approved $20 million in new monies towards the development of golden rice. Now, golden rice, I remember, was started off by Rockefeller. And there was articles came out about it, too, that had very good properties for sterilizing people at the time in the mainstream. So I guess they've jumped on the bandwagon. And it says it's, it's, highly, it's untested and highly controversial GE genetically engineered crop that threatens biodiversity and brings uh, risk bringing economic and ecological disaster to Asia's farms. Anyway, they're into this whole thing here, but it's really a big PR program as well by giving out so-called free rice to everyone. They hope they'll stop using their own rice that they've been growing for centuries and they'll start buying the stuff from them. Then you're, you're dependent on them every year to buy the stuff, the rice, because the rice has the killer gene in it. In other words, it won't reproduce itself and the seed will be sterile. That's the part of it too. So it takes your freedoms away. They've done it all across the planet by gifts. The United Nations has given so many gifts of so many thousands of tons of modified seed that they've literally um, uh, finished off all the centuries and centuries of grafting uh, one, one plant to another that they did for their own particular region. Now they're totally dependent on Monsanto for their seed every year. All the, reeds, the real seed, the stuff they were collecting, went to special bases 
as we well know, off the coast of Norway and other places. They have three of them. And uh, that's for the next society after we're all dead, which shouldn't be too long. I'll put this link up again and you can read it for yourself because it's too much to read tonight. And there's also... Uh, about the websites now, we know big things are happening on the internet and we know that uh, it says here thousands of Australian websites were exposed in a hack attack. Um, it says uh, they're, they're vulnerable to be taken over by hackers following a break-in in an Australian domain registrar and web host uh, distribute IT, security experts say. It comes as, a, as the hacker group uh, Luzek followed up yesterday's attack on the CIA's website by releasing 62,000 email addresses and passwords. So they've got all their data, and it's put whole businesses out of business. And all that sort of. But it makes you wonder what's their, their goal. It's obviously they're going to come forward and suggest something next to give up more rights and freedoms, to make this safe for us, obviously. That will be what's going to come out of this, isn't it? We all know that. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and another site too to do with the, the, the Aussie attack. Uh, it says 4,800 Aussie sites evaporate after hack. At least 4,800 Australian websites have been lost with no chance of recovery following a break-in at Australian domain registrar and web host Distribute IT. The hack attack caused so much damage that four of the company's servers were unrecoverable. The company said leaving thousands of website owners in the lurch. Uh, there's a lot of businesses out too. It says the overall magnitude of the tragedy and loss of our information and yours is simply incalculable, and we were distressed by the actions of the parties responsible for this. So, as I say, we're going to find out what... Uh, it's, it's, again, you, you create the problem and then you offer the solution. It's quite simple. It's the dialectics, the Hegelian dialectics, and uh, it's going to be worse for, for people across the whole planet, I'm sure. They're talking about giving everyone with the, even a site... Uh, uh, an actual special ID card and a special code and all the rest of it too and no doubt that's really what all this is really going to lead to uh, you, they always do this kind of stuff you, you know, it's like terrorism you can't have terrorism and literally um, have martial law across the planet when nothing's happening in the countries you've got to make something happen to, to validate your anti-terrorist uh, rampage and uh, that's really what they've always done cause a problem and and then blame the, the public and say, we've got to watch the public like a hawk now. It could be anyone. It might be you and you don't know it yet. <laughs> so I'll put these links up tonight too. Now, and one article I want to mention too is actually three, but it's on Facebook. And um, it, it talks about, uh, this is America Dad's conspiracy coverage could benefit from a flick through Facebook. Facebook has 20 million users worldwide. It's worth billions of dollars. And if, if Internet sources are to be believed, was started by the CIA. The social networking phenomenon started as a way of American college students to keep in touch. That's what they told you, of course. It's rapidly catching up with MySpace and has left others like Bebo in its wake. But there's a dark side to the success story that's been spreading across the blogosphere, a complex but riveting Big Brother-type conspiracy theory which links Facebook to the CIA and U.S. Department of Defense. Well, actually, that's its real purpose. It was started up for that. People understand the CIA have lots of legitimate businesses out there. Lots and lots of them. So does MI6 and MI5. And it's all to do with collecting data and controlling data. 
Anyway, it's the CIA, though, is using Facebook group to recruit staff for its very sexy-sounding national clandestine service and put their job ads in there. Um, but some of the people on the board of, of uh, Facebook now uh, worked for uh, the military-industrial complex and for the Pentagon and so on. So you can take your own viewpoints from it, but there's no doubt about it. That's its purpose. And even um, the front man that they give all the accolades to, the rags to riches story, which they always give us in every century and every generation, uh, he, he attends the big meetings of the big boys to do with world security, you know. Yeah. And then it says here in this article, uh, leaving Facebook, you can try, but evil genius is social network won't make it easy. And uh, I'll put that up, up tonight too. That's from the mail online. But for those who are wise enough to get out of it, so I'll put a link up too where someone will tell you how to go through the, all the different moves and actually scrub everything clean. Uh, and people should really do that if they want any privacy. A lot of the young ones are too far gone. They enjoy it too much. They're addicted to it. And their lives, what, what, what they'll have of their lives, that is, will be completely monitored in every single thing that they do. And most of them are, are trained to accept that. They, they think privacy is a strange idea, actually. Now, there's people on the telephone, so I'll go to Peter from Vancouver, if he's there. Hello, Peter. Alan? Yes. Um, i got a couple of Canadiana questions for you. Number one, what do you think of David Suzuki? I know he believes in global warming, so I don't really take him too seriously. David Suzuki's up on the website uh, when he studied genetics. He's, a, he's a, a geneticist, remember, first and foremost. And he's up on the website. I've got a link there. I'll put it up tonight if I can find it again. I had it up last year or the year before. And you'll hear him when he was a young guy talking to maybe his first students. And he, caught, he said that people are just maggots, he said. It says, mind you, in this system of maggots, there are better types of maggots than others. He's a eugenicist, plain and simple. And that's why he was picked up for his role for the United Nations and the wildlife and humans are bad and all that. Well, most humans are bad, not the special types like him, special genes, you know. And uh, and the guy literally is, is the, the, the exact type they pick up for the front man image to present to the children to get the children to like him, and then he starts advising them, well, there's too many people, especially too many of people with the lower IQs that won't be necessary in the future type of society, etc. That's what it's all about. Okay. Simple as that. Yeah. My second question is about the Bank of Canada. I know Mark Carney is from Goldman Sachs, and he was at the recent Bilderberg meeting, but is, is the Bank of Canada, is that Canada's own little Federal Reserve, or how, how do they... What is their role in everything? Okay, Canada used to have a Bank of Canada. And Canada had, even during the Great Depression, Canada was the only country in all developed nations that, that didn't have a problem. Because the Bank of Canada is a real bank. The government had its own money coined, its own paper printed, and they sold that to the banks. So they already made a profit, and then, then the, the, so it paid for everything. And then the, the banks lent it out, etc. They also put it into public works and got the cash into the system that way too. They came from all over Britain, the US during the Great Depression to find out why Canada was succeeding when they were all failing. And the video you've got to see is called Oh Canada, I'll put the link up again tonight, uh, where a student actually, he talks to ex-prime ministers uh, who actually tell him why it's good that Canadians be covered in massive debt, how it's good for us to have so much debt with the new system. Because Pierre Trudeau destroyed the old system completely. But I'll talk a little bit more when I come back from this break on that. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix talking to Peter from Vancouver about the, the Bank of Canada. Uh, the CBC also did a documentary about the Bank of Canada quite some years ago and they showed you what it was and it was just, it's just really a floor in a building where your representative by the government meets the guys who are going to lend to Canada, the representatives of the lenders. And that's what all it is today. It's simply a borrowing institution. And uh, that's all it's come down to as to what it used to be. The Canadian money now, your paper money, is printed in Germany. It has been for for years. It's printed in Germany, yeah. So they're just lending money to Canada like the Federal Reserve is in the United States. It's much the same idea, the Federal Reserve. The only difference being is that uh, we have a representative from the government appointed to meet with the lenders and, and they do the deals amongst them. The Federal Reserve is much the same. The Federal Reserve is a private bank, and that lends to the government. Okay. Yeah. You, know, you know the big five banks in Canada, they all have trillions in derivatives outstanding. When this financial collapse comes, do you think all the banks in Canada will be wiped out? Um, for the public, it will be. Uh, there's always that for the public. Some of the banks still have um, reserve fractional gold reserves. And uh, what that means is they, keep, they did this over a period of years. At one time, they had to keep 90% gold, and it went down to uh, 50%, and then down to 11%, and 8%. So they can pay off their, their, their big boys, the big uh, uh, favorite clients. For the rest of the public, though, there'll be nothing. And that's why they even keep a small marginal reserve in their main offices, like Toronto. Uh, they have uh, little places in the cellar of their main banks where they actually have the gold bars. But that's a fractional reserve, and that is for their high clientele, who really are given guarantees on their cash. You're not given guarantees on your cash as an ordinary depositor. Yeah, I'm in the process now of uh, cashing out my RSP and just uh, converting it into precious metals, because I think uh, the RSP just uh, it could be nationalized. It, uh, the banks could be wiped out. There'll be nothing left for the people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that can happen there. So I think, do you think that's a good idea to cash out the RSP? Is it great? Sorry, what did you say in the last part? You think it's a good idea to cash out of uh, the paper RRSP and just put it into precious metal? Well, put it this way. All, all we can be sure of, because they keep doing it and they keep telling us they're going to do it in the future, is we're going into austerity. We're in austerity, actually. Uh, we've got a lot more to go if they redistribute more, more of our wealth yet across the planet through taxation. We're also borrowing money, and we're now in a state of inflation. They call it quantitative easing. It doesn't sound so bad or scary as inflation and uh, eventually you're all going to hyperinflation. So regardless, if you've got money in your pensions, you put in for a dollar, uh, say 10 years ago, uh, in another 10 years' time, it's going to be, you, might, you might buy a, a, a penny caramel with it if you're lucky, you know, because that's what, what you'll be able to do. In other words, it's purchasing power is going down, ev- being devalued every year. You're not gaining, it's going down every year. So if you can get something that will at least hold its value, uh, then good luck, you know, it's, why not? Well, my RSP is in mining stocks, but, uh, you know, I think there's a risk there, too, of uh, you know, those mines in faraway countries will, will nationalize their mines. and you know. uh, Yeah, that can happen as well. It depends which ones, which mining companies. If it's the, if it's the Rothschild, as in the Queen's one in, in uh, Australia, 
uh, it might be safe there for a long time, but anybody else, as you say, they can nationalize it, and, and bingo, it's gone. Yeah. Well, I really enjoy your show, Alan. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, and I'll put that link up for you for O Canada. You have to get this disc because uh, this student meets, meets Martin, all these different guys. He talks to other politicians who don't even understand how the money system works as they pretend to run the country. But Martin actually t- tells you it's great for Canada to have to be really covered and subdued in subdued and, and massive debt. It's good for us. Yeah. And I was looking for that uh, David Suzuki link because I want to sell that on the website. I'll put the link up tonight for any cause all the people, the ordinary folk, mind you. Being a good eugenicist, uh, he actually says we're all maggots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Right on. And, uh, you see, people are built up to be stars, like Jacques Cousteau was picked up to be a star. He was also a eugenicist, and he also advocated something like we need to kill off 240,000 people a day to save the world, you know, save the fishes and all that, but kill off the people. As, you know, Jacques Cousteau's brother uh, was a Nazi, and, and Cousteau worked for the British side. That's what they always do, one on one side and one on the other. You see, there's a third group runs the world, you understand. His brother ran the, the, the French uh, Vichy Nazi papers during World War II. Anyway, this is trivia that sticks in my, my brain. Uh, Michael from Chicago is there too. Are you there, Michael? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. How are you doing, Alan? Um, uh, you guys was, were just talking about the monetary system. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it, it didn't dawn on me, it didn't dawn on me to, till today that I realized how farcical the monetary system is. Yep. Um, for instance, uh, let's say the bank loans loans me a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and within twenty or thirty years, I got to pay him back two hundred thousand dollars yep. in interest. Yeah. Where am I going to get the extra hundred thousand dollars at? You know. Yeah, I know. And 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 um, I was watching this documentary. It's called uh, Money Six. And they were talking about how people are not poor because. They don't want it to work. It's because there's a scarcity of money, mm-hmm. because, and and because the person that gets the loan from a bank has to, you know, step on another person's foot in order to get that money, uh, get the interest in order to pay back that bank, and then that person has to step on another person. Yeah. So it's like a psychopathic system that we're dealing with. It is. Uh, the monetary system. Yeah. And it, and it's not until people realize that. Um, that and, and it's not until I mean that's, it's not until we get out of the system where 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 people will actually uh, prosper. Absolutely, that the whole question of money has to be completely uh, gone through the rethink tank altogether, because you uh, it's never stable. Number one, so what's the point in working for it and trying to save it when it's never stable? You can save it all up and, and watch it crash or be devalued to a quarter of what it used to be. You can do all the right things because it's not in your hands. The power and decision-making is in big bankers' hands as to what happens to the cash. And uh, so it's never stable. I don't see why they can't uh, go back to the old system where every government literally uh, produces its own money. And um, you could have something as simple like it used to be at one time. In Britain, you could live on £10 a week at one point. And the only reason it keeps going up is because they, they give you a wage raise every every week, every year, which uh, we're trained like Pavlovian rats to, to go for. And then everything goes up at the same time. So it keeps going up and up and up and up. And then you've got what they call inflation as well. So you print too much. There's nothing to back it up. 
So you cannot leave something so important into the hands of private banking. It's ridiculous. Private banking is out for its own shareholders. It's not, not the ones who are depositing at the banks that they own. They're talking about their own shareholders. And uh, they're a massive profit-making organization. So it's a complete racket from, from top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, the bankers know that they'll never get their money back, first of yes. all, because they know they can't um, – the money that they, that they lent and the interest that they get – I mean, they can get the money that they lent back, but they never they know they'll never get the interest back. <laughs> yeah. They'll never get the interest back because they didn't, they didn't create enough money in the first place in order for you to, to even pay them back in yes. interest. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's not it's not that uh, it's our line of credit. It's, it's our uh, decision to even go to that bank to to get a loan from that bank that issued that line of credit. If mm-hmm. uh, that actually expanded their their book uh, as far as the book bookkeeping. It, it, if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't have that uh, that balance in the first place. That, that's right. In fact, when you use your credit card or you go and borrow money. It literally is created out of thin air when they approve that deal. Uh, literally, they don't have it. It just blips on a computer screen. And they don't even have anything to anything concrete to show you, you know. And uh, and that's the thing, too. You have, you have to have money based on something. But when it's outside of the handling of the people or the banking or your own country, when your own country is in charge of it uh, and the printing and issuing of it, uh, then... then, then uh, Private corporations are, and they have no affiliation with any other country. They have no particular view to one country over another. Uh, they're out for massive profit. They take all their depositors' money, you know, and they give them back about 3% interest if they're lucky. And they, they, they use that money while it's in the bank, and, and they'll lend it out to third world countries at 30% interest. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Alan, uh, before I go, um, I'd like to tell you. Uh, like every day, I usually go on my walks, and um, you know, today in particular, I ask someone, um, "What do you think money comes from?" Mm-hmm. And I actually, actually, I actually uh, asked quite a few people this question, and nine out of nine out of the ten times, uh, people would say, uh, "I don't know, uh, why, why, why do you even care, anyways?" Yeah. Or, uh, "Oh, it's, it's not my job." You know, uh, and, and then I ask them, what is your job? I'm an engineer. And then I think in my head, like, were you born an engineer? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They become their jobs. Yeah, they become their jobs. Mr. Postman is Mr. Postman, and I'm an engineer, so I don't need to know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then I would ask myself, okay, something so ubiquitous in our lives, money is everywhere. I mean, we use money every single day. Yeah. We can't do anything without money. We can't even have fun without money. You can't survive. You can't live and well, eat. You can't survive yeah. with money, which is so worthless. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think in my head, like, but people do not want to understand where it came from. People do not want to understand how it's even made or how it's even issued. Now, and uh, I just, I don't know, just... Uh, what like it is too, what it is too that they've been, been trained by the occasional um, documentary on television that is too complicated to understand. And I keep telling people when basic basic accounting and adding and subtracting becomes too complicated to understand, then there's a massive con game going on somewhere. And, and that's all it is. That's all it is. Very simple to understand. It's very yes. simple. I, I mean, I understand. I understand stocks. I mean, I do some investing myself, 
but it's so easy to understand. And then when I talk to people, they're like, ah, oh, no, it's, it's too much it's over my head. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, why are you being so negative? Uh, how am I being? <laughs> how am well, I you're, being? you're watching you're watching countries across Europe there go bankrupt, uh, one after another, like dominoes. And that means that instantly, uh, whatever cash they have left is instantly devalued to maybe half of its worth. And then your government's borrowing more money from other, from the, the IMF or whoever. And then, uh, and then now you're taxed to, into the ground, paying off that loan that your government took. I mean, this whole racket has to stop. It's a complete, I call it the numbers racket. That's all it is. It's a numbers con game. And uh, every country should be in charge of its own issuance and creation of money and not farming it out to some private uh, clubs, I call the big bankers, that have their own clubs. Yeah. And you, you, you must remember it at no interest. At no interest, absolutely. No interest, absolutely. Because right. yeah. when, you, when you give interest, that means someone else has to step on another person's foot in order to get that interest. Of course. And if you, if you even take out a loan for about 10000 or even $5,000 and pay the minimum uh, which they want you to pay the minimum, uh, it'll take you with 10, 15 years to pay it off, and you've paid an extra 15,000. <laughs> well, 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 Alan, uh, before I go, um, I mean, is there any hope? Is there any, can, I mean, can we get these people out of this paradigm that we seem to find us in every single day? You know, is there any hope? I mean, like Jesus, I mean, do we need another Jesus in order to wake us up? Do we need another Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or somebody, anybody, it doesn't matter who you are, does, does it take one person? Because, mm-hmm. I mean... It, 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 will, it will take something along that line or either uh, everyone realizing that they have to become their own champion. Uh, because you, you, it's never in history, never in history have they got the entire population of any country united against a cause. Because society has been purposely created to be so divisive. And you have groups and media catering to each division in society. Uh, and they've even got even males split into males and gay males and this males and other, other kinds and transvestites. I mean, goodness sake, they've got so many different types now. This is all deliberate to fragmentize society so they could never pull together in any common cause. Man is against woman and vice versa. Children against parents. This was all decided they would do this. So it would really take something that was n- not in their control, that really did come out of, of somewhere else, uh, to cause a massive disturbance on this planet, which was out of their hands for the public to, to start to reassert its authority for the very first time in an awful, awful long time. Because we are under uh, the tremendous scientific control right now, scientific socialism. And the reason your friends don't, don't want to even understand money is that they've been trained that, that they're not good enough to understand this complex thing like adding and subtracting uh, and all the cons that go. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. They've trained every, everybody's, oh, the special people deal with all these big things. Uh, I, I'm right, supposed to be... It's attraction. That's all it is. Yes. But everyone has been trained that they're nothing. They're not good enough. Special people come out of special wombs and, and they're put up above you to control society for you. That's what we're taught. That's what we're taught. But so it would take, um, it would take tremendous, um, effort on everyone's part, individually, and taking the raps as they come, because you will get punished for, for speaking out, doing the right things. But that's what it would take to, to stop this, this, this corrupt, utterly corrupt system. Your politicians are not the bosses, you understand. 
they're, they're really, see, we're farmed. Charles Fort said this a long time ago. He says, we're farmed. We are farmed. And our purpose, our purpose, you see, we don't produce vegetables. We produce tax money. Right. And the farmer wants your tax money. And the farmer, the farmer puts scarecrows in his field. And for, for the working classes, he puts a rough looking, nasty looking scarecrow, you see, over the vegetables. And for the yuppie type, the ones that think they're more intellectual and more cash, he gives them a scarecrow dressed in better, better gear, you see. But one way or another, you see, that's all the politicians are. And we get them for whatever particular vegetable patch you put yourself into, they'll give you the appropriate scarecrow, and that's a politician. Because the politicians are, are taught, they're all pre-selected by the Council on Foreign Relations. Right, right. And they have been for a hundred years. So they make no decisions without the bosses above them who are unelected telling them what to do. And again, Professor Carl Quigley said that he was the historian for this organization. And he said America hasn't had a, a free president who was not in the Council on Foreign Relations even under its previous name, since the late 1800s. Every single one on every side of every party has been a member of this globalist group with its parent company in Britain, which is the Royal Institute of International Affairs. I mean, all, like I said, all politicians are basically, like uh, that one caller once said, he said all politicians or democracy is you basically voting in a dictator. You're voting in a dictator, everybody. You're only under democracy. If you look into the, the, the definition of democracy, it says that it's the right of the people to vote. But it also goes on when you're into cases on democracy, and it's followed up in high court judges' statement saying that once you vote people in, they can do whatever they wish, and you cannot recall them. So you're right, you're voting in a dictator. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Tabit from Saudi Arabia, if he's still there. Hello? 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 Yes. Yes, uh, hello Alex, uh, Alan, sorry. Yes. Uh, uh, today I wanted to uh, speak about uh, uh, another issue, but I heard the last caller uh, talking about uh, the, uh, the monetary system, and... Uh, you said it's very true. Uh, most of the people uh, don't know uh, from their toes in, in, when it comes to the monetary system. You always see these people uh, with the professional uh, titles and specialists talking and determining for you. Yeah. And, uh, well, in fact, it is uh, pretty obvious. Uh, I've seen uh, a lot of your work and... Uh, what, what many things you say are very true, and no one else uh, speaks about them, or few speak about them, uh, which are uh, the uh, stealing of, of the mind of the young people and the men in general by sports. And uh, this uh, this not only big industry, but also a big agenda yeah. to 
to take everyone's minds of uh, important issues and uh, make them go like uh, small children after a, a game. After all, it's, it's, it's just a game. I'm not against uh, football, but uh, it has its boundaries. Uh, also, uh, the worrying thing uh, is uh, what are they doing on the on the family? Yeah, they are. Uh, I always watch uh, American shows, uh, American movies. I always see uh, the techniques they are using yes. to break down the family yep. uh, uh, using uh, on different levels. One of the things is uh, that they always uh, show the parents like uh, old school. And uh, if you uh, do your parents who are uh, you're cool or or uh, uh, good to hang out with. And uh, also, you see uh, a lot of uh, issues surrounding uh, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and uh, it's it's like a product. It's like it's like uh, selling a product. It is selling a product. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. It is selling a product. It is done exactly the same way. Sure, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's like uh, advertising, but uh, it's done uh, it's done behind the doors, behind the curtains. Uh, it, 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 it has many many effects. I don't know if you know, but uh, recent uh, researchers show. Besides all the negative effects of homosexuality, it, uh, most of the people that are ready to betray their countries, that's, uh, that's uh, all researchers, uh, are uh, homosexuals. And uh, I've heard recently that uh, these people, these gangs, uh, in Libya, who are murdering, uh, uh, every day you see uh, videos on YouTube, they are uh, homosexuals. I actually read, uh, I actually read one site where I've, I came across that actually. In fact, they found homosexuals pretending to be lesbians uh, on Facebook, living in, in uh, Libya and elsewhere. Uh, and uh, they, they found out that these guys are white men living in the States who they think work for the CIA, uh, pretending they're females who are being victimized over in those countries to get the lesbian support in, in, in the U.S. It's astonishing, but you're quite right. Uh, they're using this to even try and get warfare going uh, over some supposed uh, sexual preference. They want to slaughter people. Any excuse will do to get the big agenda through. But you're quite right. And also remember to the top spies in Britain, even during World War II and afterwards, McLean, uh, Philbeal, these were all homosexuals too, they're picked for that. From Hamish, myself, and Tear Canada, it's been night, may God, may God's go with you.